I'm Ava Hartling. Welcome to The Brand is Female. Today's April 20th, and yes, that means 420. Given that Canada has recently legalized cannabis, we wanted to celebrate by highlighting women who are doing amazing things in this growing sector, pun intended. Now, it's important to know that the cannabis industry is still very male-dominated. If you've attended any industry events or panels, you would have noticed a lineup of white men on stage. Because we want to see that change, this weekend we are featuring interviews with two women in the industry. First, you'll hear from Sarah Gillen, co-founder and chief operating officer of Ollie Brands, a new player in the cannabis industry that focuses on CBD-infused, healthy, accessible, and natural edibles. Their products are about to hit market and include everything from teas to chocolates and other yummy, delicious treats. Give Ollie a voice. I think I can be that female voice. And mm. I think from, for our brand specifically, it's, it's really important to be able to have that voice for a small startup in an industry where there's huge, big players. The interview was done a little while ago, so you'll hear Sarah talk about the facility they plan on building. And the great news is that construction is now taking place and Ollie's just about ready to be available to consumers. Our second interview will be released as a bonus podcast, and you'll hear from 48 North's Alison Gordon. She's the first woman CEO at a publicly traded cannabis company. As always, if you enjoyed today's show, we'd love to see you hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Those five stars mean a lot to us. You can leave a review as well and follow us on Instagram at thebrandisfemale. And now let's hear from Sarah Gillen at Ollie Brands. My background is... Um... Oh, well, I'm a Toronto girl. I mm-hmm. was born and raised in Toronto. I've lived here for most of my life. Um, I briefly moved east to go to Dalhousie University. Okay. Um, and then I, uh, shortly after that, I moved to New York to pursue a graduate degree at Parsons uh, in marketing. But I always sort of knew that Toronto was my, um, I wanted to settle back here. It was where my friends and family were, and it's, it's my home. So I moved back here in 2011, and I've been here ever since. Um, my career journey um, has always been in a sort of luxury goods um, uh, market. Um, throughout the years, I've worked for many local and international luxury brands. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you know, just um, prior to co-founding Ollie, I was working for one of Toronto's leading bespoke jewelry designers. Um, but I think I've always really enjoyed small businesses. I've mm. always really liked being somewhere where I could wear different hats and I'd had different exposure to different sort of facets of the industry or sorry of the uh, small business mm-hmm. and I think ultimately that's why I was really excited to start Ollie because I really wanted the chance to finally sort of start something of my own. Growing up so Sarah as a little girl what were you dreaming of becoming we all we all have dreams and aspirations for what we think we're going to be doing in our career and sometimes we end up going completely you know in a different route but yeah. what what was your dream growing up? Oh, I think I always was creative. I always loved colors and feelings and creating things. And I think I always sort of, I was really drawn to the fashion world initially. Mm-hmm. I loved the excitement of it. That's why I ultimately moved to New York for a while. Um, so I think maybe, you know, as a child, I wanted to be like a fashion designer and super stylish mm-hmm. and out there. So I think I always kind of had that like luxury sort of fashion um, creativity side to me, mm-hmm. um, even as a little kid. 
Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me about that point. Uh, you were working uh, with Miles Minham here in Toronto, uh, working in jewelry, and that sounds like a, a very interesting position. Mm-hmm. And then something happened. You had this idea to start a business. So tell me a little bit about how that happened. And I'm assuming it wasn't overnight. It was probably kind of a longer process. Um, so I was working with Miles for four years, and it was a really great experience. Um, what I loved about the jewelry world is the creativity, especially in custom jewelry to Mm -hmm. learn sort of different aspects of the business. Um, We did all manufacturing in-house, so I got to learn about all the gemstones and about jewelry creation, which was really, really exciting. Um, I also really loved um, sort of the way jewelry made people feel. Mm. Um, You probably can understand this as well, but jewelry is always a celebratory um, gift, so it's always sort of a part of somebody's love story. I guess that sounds kind of cheesy, but it's true. Um, and I'm still very close with Miles and his whole team. So while I was at Minden Fine Jewelry, um, Miles celebrated his 25th year of being mm-hmm. in business. Um, so I got to hear firsthand the story about Miles, um, about how he built his business for 25 years, and it was a remarkable story. And I learned about the goals that he reached and the milestones um, and the challenges that he overcame. Um, I found it really, really inspiring, and so then I guess I started sort of dreaming about one day creating something of my own, Mm -hmm. and just timing really worked out well that I was, John and I sort of came up with the idea while I was sort of milling about with this, John and I sort of came up with this idea while I was experiencing this at Minden Fine Jewelry, so just timing worked out really well, and that's how we got into Ollie. And so you're talking about your business partner, Mm -hmm. and was the idea something that the two of you just kind of dreamt about or had conversations about late you know late night drinking wine or how, how did that come uh, about it was actually a bit of both so john and i um have been friends for a really long time mm-hmm. john actually about 20 years john knew my husband really well they were roommates in university so we've always sort of hung out all the time and it, the idea came one night at our place over dinner mm-hmm. it was after dinner um, and John was working for Afria at the time oh, yeah. on the regulatory side, but it was, I guess this was about early 2017. So we were talking about the upcoming regulations and what we really sort of got to talking about was the excitement to, um, create a product that was smoke free. Right. Um, John, while he, um, you know, enjoyed the odd joint or two, um, I was never a cannabis smoker. I just, I've never been a big smoker and I mm-hmm. just didn't love um, the whole smoking lifestyle, but what I did want to is experience the benefits of the cannabis product right. um, in a smoke-free and more healthful way. So we just got to talking, um, and we wanted to. We initially the initial concept was to start with tea, and we really loved mm. the idea of how we could sort of make cannabis this product that was inclusive of everybody, and it really brought people back to the table and enjoying some nice food and mm. just like you enjoy nice wine but similar lifestyle to that, just bringing people together and bringing friends together. Mm-hmm. And that's so interesting because I have a similar experience as you. I was never a, a pot smoker and mm-hmm. I don't find that idea appealing, mm-hmm. but I'm really into natural wellness and mm-hmm. the benefits of CBD are very appealing to me, um, but yet it's hard to find a product that can bring you just that. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I mean, now now everything's opening with, with legalization in Canada, mm-hmm. but there's a, a shortage of products that target that more sophisticated approach to consuming cannabis Mm -hmm. Uh, so you guys were onto something really interesting yeah I think for me I think given my background too I I was just really I I wanted to make something that was also very delicious and sophisticated and Mm. luxurious and that 
would appeal to my friends. And I know mm-hmm. my friends, they have high standards, and I wanted something that was really appealing and sophisticated for them as well. So what were the next steps in terms of you and John and you actually saying, I'm going to quit my job to <laughs> go full-time into this venture? Um, I think from there, I was still working, and I stayed. I was with Miles for um, a little while after that. Um, and we had, we, our first steps, I guess, were to sort of incorporate the company and we Mm -hmm. ended up hiring our first hire, who's our director of operations now. And she's been with us since the beginning. Her name is Tess and she's amazing. Um, but I think we helped, she really helped us get the business off the ground because John was also working full time at the time. Okay. Okay. So eventually we had raised our first, um, round of financing and the business just needed my full attention. And it was about Mm. a year after sort of the inception idea. Okay. Um, and I needed to step in in a marketing role. And so I told Miles and here we are. (laughs) (laughs) And that brought us to today. Yeah. Um, so, and tell me a little bit about that. So getting your first round of financing and, and that's not necessarily something you had experience doing before. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming maybe your business partner did. Um, what was that a process where, because, you know, going out and, and, and obtaining financing can also be a kind of a difficult experience with a lot Mm -hmm. of people shutting the door in your Mm -hmm. face and saying, Nope, I don't believe in this idea. So tell me a little bit about that process. Um, It's definitely challenging. I mean, there's in any entrepreneurial situation like that, you will be told no a lot more Mm. than probably you're told yes, but you just have to be persistent and believe in your product. And Mm. there are people that will believe in it with you. You just have to find the right partners. So I think for us, it was just really finding the right partners, um, reaching out to our friends and family and people that we knew could really um, believe in our vision and and Mm. understood what we were trying to do. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and so let's talk about the business concept a little bit. Um, so uh, it's called Ollie Brands. Mm-hmm. You are focused on bringing a product that is both uh, delicious mm-hmm. and uh, obviously infused with CBD at the same time. Mm-hmm. So what are we talking about uh, specifically? I know there's teas in the offering, mm-hmm. but you're working on a, on a little bit more. So I'll just go into our products a little bit more. So we have partnered with... Um, one of the tea sommeliers from David's Tea. So we have a very elevated, sophisticated um, tea blends. He's world-renowned, and his contacts in the industry are are really amazing. Um, And his standards are quite high for our tea blends. Mm -hmm. So he's um, been working exclusively... uh, Sorry, he's been working on all of our tea blends, and he's our exclusive tea sommelier. So from there, too, so once we had secured um, a tea sommelier, we really wanted to find the right partner um, in the edible space. And... We've all, I've always personally really loved the food dudes and the rest, what they've done and their yep. um, approach to um, and their approach to ingredients and to cuisine. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, Rasa used to be one of my favorite restaurants, local restaurants in the city. I've yeah. since moved, but um, I've always loved it there. So on the edible side, our edibles are being curated by um, Chef Adrian Neiman, who's owner and operator of the um, award-winning food group, the Food. The award-winning hospitality group, the Food Dudes. Yeah, yeah. They are from um, Toronto. Yeah, they're from Toronto. They own and operate eight restaurants around the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I mentioned, um, my husband and I have always loved everything about the Food Dudes and about their approach to um, food and what they value. Um, and we've always um, gone out to eat at their restaurants. Um, when we met, sat with down with Adrian and the Food Dudes team, they also had a vision of healthy, accessible, and natural edibles, mm. um, all of which which we really valued at Ollie. We really wanted something, as I mentioned, that was 
more thought out and that was sort of more um, natural than a lot of the things we'd seen on the black market. Right. And and not to mention their food expertise and their background in the hospitality industry is obviously unparalleled. So they really, we really had a good sort of connection with them and we then they signed on as our um, edibles partner. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And that's really interesting because I think in, and, and obviously any product uh, involving cannabis today is, uh, I mean, right now it's the Wild West because mm-hmm. it's a brand new legal industry and mm-hmm. we're going to see uh, a lot of companies doing different things, but there's there hasn't been a standard yet that's been set for quality or provenance mm-hmm. or you know the type the type of information that we should be getting as consumers before we decide to purchase or consume a specific product. Absolutely. So it sounds like you guys are really surrounding yourselves with experts in their field mm-hmm. uh, to really I mean you're getting the best you know the best tea sommelier mm-hmm. uh, who's out there to make sure that the product is really top quality. Mm-hmm. So would you say that's something that's really going to be uh, part of the brand's ethos, really that focus mm-hmm. on quality, high quality ingredients, uh, and kind of the research behind the ingredients that go into the products as well? I think absolutely. And I think what's important to us is having something that's trusted and approachable mm-hmm. for the new, um, for maybe somebody who has not had much experience with cannabis. Our brand, like our aim is to promote the healthful um, enjoyment of cannabis through this sort of elevated um, ingredients and highlighting exactly as you said the provenance of our ingredients and mm-hmm. where they come from um, we work really really hard to try to break this negative stigma of not only cannabis use but especially in the edible space um, there's a lot of people are sort of scared of them because yeah. they haven't had any well legal quite frankly or um, delicious edibles yet because yeah everything on the market now is, is black market right um, so we also want to um, have offer low dose products too mm, so that we that's can key. really appeal to those customers so we start at um, I guess 2.5 milligrams and we'll be going mm. up to 10 which we believe is the sort of maximum amount um, that the government will let um, a portion size have in it but I think what's important to us is making sure that anyone who consumes our products have a pleasurable experience whether it be the quality of the ingredients the quality of cannabis the dose of cannabis and the amount but everything we want it to be positive and pleasurable so that they really enjoy it and, and keep um, enjoying their time mm-hmm. there with Ollie. So would you say your consumers could be, I think there's a lot of um, um, kind of newcomers to the cannabis mm-hmm. experience who are probably interested in learning or experiencing the benefits on the health side, the wellness side, mm-hmm. uh, but they might be a little afraid of trying that product, but you will offer something that is low dose, kind of a soft introduction for someone who's never uh, consumed cannabis before. Yeah, that's exactly it. I think we want to um, be very like friendly and approachable because mm-hmm. as I said, that about a one of the core aspects of our brand is that we're a bunch of friends doing things for our friends so I think that sort of having that approachability Mm. um, having low dose products so you can experiment you can try for the first time and you can really work up to where you're safe and where you're comfortable and where you're having fun I think is the most important so what kind of benefits can one expect when they're consuming your products um it totally depends we have um cbd only products as well as a yeah. CBD plus THC product. Mm-hmm. So it depends on what really you're looking for. CBD, like there's a whole slew of health benefits that come with it. Um, obviously relaxation, anti-anxiety, anti-stress, mm-hmm. just taking time for yourself, just sort of taking a calm moment at the end of the day. I that think sounds that, really good right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think if you do want something a little bit more, um, 
uh, like upbeat, absolutely try the THC version. Mm -hmm. Um, it's still going to be relatively low dose, but it will have a bit of a more, um, upbeat sort of THC, um, experience. So for our, uh, listeners who are not familiar Mm -hmm. with, uh, with what these, uh, words Mm -hmm. and descriptions mean. So, uh, just CBD would mean no THC. So no, no side, you're not getting high on the product. Basically, you're just getting the health benefits. Exactly. So Mm -hmm. it's more, um, it's, it's more of a, I guess, relaxation um, feeling. So you'd still, even with THC, you're going with a low dosage, so uh, everything is done Yeah, and we balance softly. it with um, CBD, so it's okay. all very gentle, and it's all very... Yeah, I, some, I'm very hesitant to use the word psychedelic, because mm. it makes it sound so extreme, which it's not... So not um, at that level of dosage anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And um, if we talk about the product that you guys are also focusing and I'm looking at some samples of tea right now. So mm-hmm. obviously packaging the way it's presented is very important to you. Mm-hmm. It's uh, you're introducing it as a sophisticated higher end product. So tell me a little bit about how, you know, people would consume your, your products. I loved your example of having dinner you know, with a group <laughs> of friends and then you're bringing out the teas at the end of the mm-hmm. evening or the edibles. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of environment for consumption that you are targeting yeah exactly we sort of um, envision our teas and edibles being served at the end of a nice meal for a nice little nightcap as Mm -hmm. opposed to um, you know you know having an aperitif or an after-dinner cocktail I think also the teas too instead of you know at the evening especially for the moms out there the really busy career woman at the end of the day you just want a time for yourself Mm. you know one glass of wine usually does it Maybe two, but I think a really nice glass of tea with some CBD would really have a nice effect at the end of the day. Less calories, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no hangover, but um, that I part's think that very nice. It's just sort of more about yeah, spending taking the time for yourself. We see people enjoying it for themselves, also um, enjoying it with their friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you said something very interesting. You talked about women consuming the product. Obviously, I think the way the the product is being. Uh, is being packaged, the way you're introducing it, referring to it, you mm-hmm. are targeting women consumers. Mm-hmm. And I think we're seeing that right now in this newly legalized uh, environment, mm-hmm. the new the new target is definitely the female consumer. Yeah, and, that's, and that's very interesting because there's also a lot of stigma around women consuming cannabis. We, mm-hmm. We've talked about our own experience where I'm not going mm-hmm. to light up a joint anytime soon. Yeah. However, if you're offering me a tea with CBD, that's mm-hmm. a lot more appealing to mm-hmm. me. Um, and so how, how are you planning on approaching that women demographic? Um, I think, well, part of it's through our, our, our branding and mm-hmm. our touch points. I think we have very um, approachable branding, sort of soft colors. We really, and our dosage as well. We really yeah. want to be approachable that way. Um, I think we just really want to resonate with the customer. We want to create um, a face, a trusted face to the brand too. Mm. And I think at the end of the day, you know, I'm one of those women. So I think that I speak very candidly and very genuinely when I speak about the product because I was never a pot smoker either. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I mean, since, you know, university, you know, in a while. (laughs) So, Um, but I think that, yeah, just being able to resonate with that customer um, and, and, and associating it with sort of it's, it's okay to be successful and, and enjoy mm-hmm. cannabis. It's okay to be a mom and enjoy cannabis. Like these are, it's legal now. Well, we're not, but when we are legal. It's in the process of becoming legal yeah. in terms of edibles specifically exactly, and kind of yes. the, the edible category. 
So I think just sort of making it, just breaking down that stigma and providing a really pleasurable experience, I think will be a way we can do that. Mm. And um, and we talk and, and we we had a conversation before we we started the podcast, and we talked about how women often, uh, you know, still feel ashamed of consuming CBD or cannabis mm-hmm. uh, because of the stigma attached to it. But you had a very valid point that goes back to um, you know the product being illegal. Where you know if you were a mom, you're not going to drive up mm-hmm. with your with your child in the back seat and buying yeah. from a from a dealer on the on a on a street corner. Yeah, absolutely. but that's that's changed now. Absolutely, it's changed. It's legal. Um, we in the edibles and beverages space, we are expecting it to be legal no later than October seventeenth, two thousand nineteen. Right. So um, we have a bit of time still, but exactly that, I think, normalizing it and just incorporating it in part of your daily life or your weekend life or your vacation, whatever it may be, but just being comfortable with the product and being comfortable with the lifestyle because mm-hmm. I think it's, it's really changing. And, and I think that's really important too because uh, when you guys talk about the, the high quality ingredients and the low dosage, mm-hmm. I think that will play, uh, that, that will be the, the, the big difference for any brand mm-hmm. uh, going that route because women also want to be able to trust the brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the same way we consume organic ingredients and it comes with your organic seal, mm-hmm. there will have to be some type of similar you know, standard in the cannabis industry so that we know what Absolutely. we're consuming. All of our products will be third-party tested, so we'll be testing in our facility, and then we'll send it out for third-party approval, and then we'll be sending it out to market. So everything we are working on will definitely be um, sort of up to par in regulation and and very um, safe and consistent. Mm. Yeah, I think that's key. That's great. Um, You've also mentioned that you are setting up a facility, a manufacturing facility Mm -hmm. here in the Toronto area, Mm -hmm. which means your products will be 100% made in Canada. Mm -hmm. They will be, yep. We're working on a facility over by the 427 Mm -hmm. where we hope to do all manufacturing um, in-house. So that was really important to us just from a quality perspective as well we wanted to be able to kind of control everything at at different stages of the sort of value chain and make sure that we were really um we what we put out there was really our best product Mm, yeah i think that's so smart Mm -hmm. and primarily your market will be canada do you see a point where you could be exporting the products you manufacture Eventually, we've talked about global expansion absolutely long term. Um, I think obviously priorities for us are now are just sort of develop a brand here within yeah. Canada um, and then we'll see from there. But it's definitely on our radar. Mm, yeah, that's super exciting. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you are a co-founder of the brand. You're mm-hmm. you're now a woman entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And we've also, uh, you and I talked about the fact that every cannabis company out there is now going after the, uh, the, the female. Mm-hmm demographic but yet very few of those companies including the major players have women as part of their boards or mm-hmm. their senior executive teams uh, so there's kind of a, a an interesting uh, or sad dichotomy in there <laughs> because you know they want to target women yet we're not seeing women running those companies yeah I, I totally agree I mean I've been in the industry since April and there's definitely we do need more women in the in the space for sure. And how do you think we can change that? I mean, you're obviously doing your part. You're mm-hmm. you know you're leading a company. Uh, I think you're going to be very much associated with the brand. You'll be a visible spokesperson. Mm-hmm. You have women on your team as mm-hmm. well, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but what could the industry be doing you know differently to uh, to attract more women to uh, 
senior level positions? I think to be honest, it's more about just normalizing the product. I think that maybe mm. some women are still a bit um, shy to get involved with the industry, but right. I think once it sort of normalizes it, there's a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of exciting things happening, especially for women because there's so many men in it now. So mm-hmm. I think that give it some time. And I think I've, you know, we'll start attracting some really awesome women also. Mm. And do you think that women consumers will kind of help with that change as well? I mean, as I, uh, I know when I make consumption choices, often I will favor a company that's led by a woman. I mean, mm-hmm. there's amazing companies led by men too, obviously. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and there's other criteria that come into play, like quality of the product. But mm-hmm. I like to support women entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's something that's also going to, to kind of play in this equation as well? Absolutely. And I think, you know, the more women we have that are successful and visible in the industry, really sort of breaking barriers and, and making normalizing it, I think that um, more people will be drawn to it. Mm, yeah. yeah. And would you would you say uh, in your case that you're making an effort to recruit women on the team? Like, is that something that's top of mind when you're kind of planning, you know, growth um, for the company? To be honest, I, I don't know if I think we're just trying to recruit the best people for the job at this point. I, that I, makes sense. I definitely, um, yeah, I, I don't think we'd have a preference for men or women in our hiring, but mm-hmm. we, um, I'd love to see more women interested in the industry and applying for jobs in the industry. I think that that would be really exciting. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's a change, as you said, that's yeah. in the process of happening. It's mm-hmm. certainly very interesting. I think it gives you an edge, too, because yeah. if you're going to a meeting, uh, and, I, and I actually wonder, I'm curious to know, when you were doing that first round of financing, yeah. is that something that came up? Like, oh, you're, you know, you're a woman running a cannabis company. That's, <laughs> that's not something we see every day. Was there a surprise um, around that or not really? No, but I think it, I think I do, I can give Ollie a voice. I think I can be that female voice. And mm. I think from, for our brand specifically, it's, it's really important to be able to have that voice for a small startup in an industry where there's huge, big players. So, um, it didn't come up necessarily that I was, you know, a woman sitting in the boardroom, but mm-hmm. it, I think that it does resonate with our customer and that's appealing for people who, um, want to understand and learn more and, and see our vision in Ollie. Mm, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, your story is inspiring. You've basically, uh, you've taken that leap, you know, founding your own company and in an industry that's emerging. Mm-hmm. So five years ago, no one would have thought of starting, you know, a new, mm-hmm. a new business in cannabis world. Uh, so that somebody could say that's daring. And I think there's a lot of young women who are aspiring to be entrepreneurs. What would be the, the advice you'd give them? Um, the advice I'd have for an entrepreneur... Um, could be in your space could be in any any type of industry I think I think what I would say is it's definitely scary to take that initial leap I think that it took me a long time to sort of get myself ready to take that leap I had to be ready mentally and um, you know ready to sort of be out on my own Um, but trust me when I say that once you do you'll you won't look back Mm. I think that um yeah, I think don't be scared. I think be excited and go for it. Would you say that that element of fear, that element of having to overcome an obstacle is something that drives you as an entrepreneur? Um, that's a good question. I think, yeah, I wouldn't call it fear necessarily, but I would call it excitement. Mm. I think it's sort of that feeling you get in your stomach when you're really, you've got those butterflies. I think I have that 
a lot. So. <laughs> and that's usually a good sign. Yeah. Is there a quote or a saying that you often use and it might be something that's tied to your journey as an, an entrepreneur, like one of those quotes that you repeat uh, um, to kind of give your give, give yourself confidence? <laughs> well, I the background on my phone actually says um, small steps made over time move mountains. And I guess that helps hmm. me every day stay motivated and just sort of realize that every little step I take is towards a bigger picture and a bigger goal. So I think that could be one, mm. something that keeps me motivated. That's a good one. I like that. And actually speaking of quotes, is there a book or it could be a movie as well, but uh, a story that really influenced your life and your journey up to this point? It's really hard to say. I don't know if I can necessarily say a book that I've read recently that's influenced my journey. Um, I mean... I have a few books, but I love to find balance by Orientin Mystery. Um, oh yeah, okay. I wouldn't know if it necessarily changed my life, but it definitely was a book that meant a lot to me. Um, I it's hard to say. Yeah, hard that's question. a good one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or is there? It could be something else than a book. Is there a, a practice, maybe something that gives you that makes you feel grounded in life, that gives you balance? Um, I've had people share their experience with yoga or with, you know, mm -hmm. some other type of spiritual journey. Is there a process like that that's guided you or helped you feel grounded? Um, I do enjoy walking. And I think for me, I, I'm being an entrepreneur, you're sort of doing it 24-7 all yep. the time. So I think for <laughs> me, just even small sort of weekends away, I spend a lot of time mm -hmm. up north and I really enjoy how peaceful that is just for a short time. Mm -hmm. But it really helps me reset get perspective and come back to the week feeling really motivated and energized. Mm, I like that. So that connection to nature too, obviously yeah, is, uh, is so. key here. Mm, mm -hmm. That's interesting. And if you could go back in time and change or do one thing differently uh, mm -hmm. at any point in your life, is, is, is there something you would like to do over? Uh, that's also a really hard question. I typically <laughs> am not somebody who really looks back at the decisions I've made. I've, I've learned a lot of lessons, but mm -hmm. it's really hard to say what I would do differently because I think that every step I take got me to where I am today. So I think that's so true. Yeah. yeah. So you own everything that's, I think so. yeah. that's happened, good and bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, at, the, at the end of your life, or maybe we won't be that dramatic, but uh, in a couple of years, and now it's the start of Ollie Brands, your new yeah. venture, and that's super exciting. Um, in five years from now, what would you say, what would be something that, you know, you'd feel super proud of having accomplished? Um, well, rec most recently, I just completed my executive MBA program at University of Toronto, so I'm very proud of Congratulations. that. Congratulations. That's Thank amazing. Because that was a bucket list for me, for sure. Yeah. Um, but I think just going forward, if I can look back and know that I've tried to be the best version of myself, um, I think to achieve my goals both personal, both personally and professionally. Um, and I think especially to lead a successful team and lead a successful company, because I think that to be sort of the leader of a team that enjoys their work and that does well, um, is something to be very proud of. Mm, um, and that's it, so true. It probably sounds silly, but I think just treating people well and just mm. making the right choices. So. And actually, I was going to ask, so what's your definition of leadership or, or, or of positive leadership? Um, I think just having to be inspiration to your employees and the mm. people that work for you and work with you are happy and they're, you know, you're, you're leading a successful company. Mm. 
Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds like the team at uh, Aldi Brands is, is lucky to have you as a leader. Um, good luck for next steps. It's super exciting. I, I look forward to trying and testing the products. Um, very exciting and wishing you all the best. Thank you so much and thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on today. Thank you to Sarah for a great interview. We look forward to all these products hitting market soon. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and leave a review on the podcast app of your choice. Stay tuned for a bonus episode this weekend featuring Alison Gordon from 48 North. Thank you for listening.